Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, it's hard to believe that it's been more than four years since we started operations here at Tenant Aquatics, and more incredible to consider how, during that time, the idea of botanical-style aquariums, blackwater, brackish, or otherwise, has slowly percolated into the mainstream of hobby consciousness, sort of leaving behind the hushed, you know, sideshow feel that the concept used to be met with. Now, I don't claim that we were the main mover of this shift, but I think we've had some input on it and some impact as well. In fact, I think the term botanical used to describe the natural stuff we work with placed in our aquariums was simply not used in this context prior to 2015, to the best of my knowledge. Of course, I'm not saying that hobbyists haven't been tossing in leaves and seed pods and such into our aquariums you know, before we arrived on the scene. That would be arrogant, egotistical, and just wrong. Hobbyists have been tossing this stuff into aquariums pretty much as long as there have been aquariums. That being said, there really wasn't sort of a nexus for study, application, and procurement of this stuff before we arrived, as far as I know. And since we've been researching, curating, and offering all this stuff here at Tenant, I'd like to think that we've helped, you know, advance the identification, preparation, and application of these natural materials in our aquariums. It's more than just selling this stuff. It's about helping foster a movement which advances and educates the aquarium hobby. And it starts with some really basic stuff. When I first started experimenting with tossing leaves, seed pods, and the like into aquariums over a decade ago, one of the main things I used as my criteria for evaluating the suitability of a botanical for aquarium use was what I call functional aesthetics. We've talked about this before. It's really just a buzzword-like way of saying that I like stuff to look cool and be useful as well. And when it comes to the concept of functional aesthetics, you'd be hard-pressed to find a botanical which meets the definition as much as what is debatably our most popular botanical, the Carinia pod. It's the seed pod of the Cariniana legalis tree from the forest of Brazil. With its unique cylindrical shape and a nice opening on one end, it's a near-perfect botanical accent piece for all sorts of aquatic and vivarium applications. I mean, it checks all the boxes. It looks cool, it's desirable, it's durable, and it has that cool, defensible opening that fishes or frogs can use to hide in or use as a hangout or a spawning cave. And it's easy to prep for aquarium use, too. Yet, it's been given a whole lot of effing stupid names, and it's been sort of misunderstood for a long time, so we'll just revisit this unique pod one more time. What's the real story on it? Well, again, it's back to the rainforests of Brazil. The origin of this botanical is the Cariniana legalis tree, one of Brazil's oldest trees, with some specimens over 3,000 years old. Can you imagine how many of these pods that such a tree can produce over its lifetime? I know, sounds like a capitalist here, that's not good. But this woody tree comes from the family Lecithidae. And it's an impressive tree. It rises, you know, majestically above the forest canopy. And scientists describe it as a large, emergent tree sparsely scattered in areas of lowland flooded rainforests, such as Atlantic forests, mesophilous, reverine, or hydrophilous forests, and semi-deciduous woodland. I, I couldn't put it better myself. Basically, they're saying it's a cool tree. Now, the bad news about this species is that it is considered vulnerable by the IUCN Red List of Threatened Species, as its habitat is under threat. Now, we obtain our specimens from a producer who has plantation-grown trees, which are specifically maintained for this and other human purposes without chopping them down or destroying the surrounding lands. So I feel pretty good about that. 
In some areas, the bark and leaves are used for medicinal purposes. Supposedly, it has anti-diarrheal properties, and it's also used for binding things. We, of course, love the seed pods. I'll just take the word of the indigenous people that it's good for a you know diarrhea remedy. Now, what we call a pod is really what a botanist would call a dehiscent phydixia, a really cool tongue-twisting way of saying it's a fruit capsule from which the upper part falls off when the seeds are released. Yeah, why couldn't they just say it that way, right? Botanists, sheesh. Funny side story. When I first started to obtain this pod, my supplier from South America would sense many that were just completely intact with the upper part of the fruit capsule sealed and more or less like welded shut. So essentially, everything which made this pod useful to me as a fish geek, i.e. the opening and the hollow interior, was simply not there. And I still have a bag or two of hundreds of these that have not been able to use. I was like, what? Hmm, maybe I can harvest some seeds from them and try to plant my own tree or something. But yeah, okay. Now, there was a bit of a learning curve with this stuff, like there was with everything. And then there was that damn name, the Savu Pod. Stupid. Ugh. And I was stupid for calling it that too. I took the advice, and I use that term loosely, from a friend of a friend who was into frogs who told me rather authoritatively when I started playing with these things that that's what they're, they're called. And of course, I stupidly used it too. And the reality probably is that's what some hobbyists somewhere called them and the name stuck. And yeah, I contributed to this nonsense. I was an idiot, I admit it. Sabupod, catchy though it may be, is a made-up name with no meaning whatsoever to science or the locals in Brazil, where it's known as Jacotipa Branco, which refers to the fruit of the tree. In fact, if you must know, the Tupi name, Jacotipa, consists of the word jiku, with meaning bow net, and the word yiba, which is fruit tree or fruit. No mention of the freaking name Savu anywhere, because it's completely made up and stupid and irrelevant. It sounds exotic, but it has no relation to the botanical itself. Stupid! Yeah, I'm killing this name forever as far as we're concerned. Good effing riddance. <laughs> if you must know, like I must, Savu, also known as Sawu, Sabu, Sawo, Havu, Hawu, or Hawo, is the largest of a group of three islands situated midway between Sumba and Timor in Indonesia, like thousands and thousands of miles west of where this tree is ever found. Like, what the hell does this have to do with this pod? Spoiler, nothing. Stomp it out of your language forever. I will never refer to these botanicals by that name again, ever. Except to mock those who do use it. <laughs> That's a warning. This is why I'm so stupidly angry about the coral part of our hobby where I came from. Stupid names. Ugh, don't even get me started. Okay, that felt good. Really angry, perhaps. A bit over the top, but like really good. Deep breath, Fomin. Okay, so back to the botanical itself. Again, we will always refer to it as the Carinianapod because that's what it is. It's simple and descriptive enough without being as goddamn lame as Savupod. It works for me. And besides, calling it the Carinianapod dehiscent padixa would be just a bitch to spell and pronounce, right? Okay, I've really got to get off that part. <laughs> so to prepare the Carinianapod for use, it's pretty straightforward. Annoyingly, they float like mad when introduced to water, but their buoyancy tendencies can be conquered relatively easily. You'll simply need to boil them like many other pods we work with. Place them in an inert pod, fill them with fresh water, bring them to a boil. Keep poking at them during the process to make sure they get submerged as much as possible during boiling. Once the water reaches a boil, reduce the heat and let them do the thing for at least 20 to 25 minutes. Allow them to cool. Place them in a container of fresh room temperature water to make sure they've been sunk. Sure, sometimes it'll take much longer or a lot of extra soaking to get them to really stay down. This is the price we pay for working with natural materials. There's just no guarantee that says this stuff will sink in an hour. We just have to be patient. Like pretty much any woody botanical item out there, uh, these pods will leach small amounts of tannins, lignans, and other compounds and organics for a while after you boil them. Not enough to create a dark brown you know, water or anything like that, but there's some leaching regardless. 
Traditionally, I've recommended to soak these for a day or two in a container of fresh water to really ensure that they're fully saturated and have a chance to leach out all that initial bound up dirt and stuff that might be in the surface tissues after boiling. Quite honestly though, I've skipped this extra post-boil soak lately without any issues, but it's your call. And they're absolutely useful pods. Fishes like Apistos will take to them really easily using that canopy, that cavity as a you know, place to protect their clutches of fry, much like they would exploit you know, such a submerged seed pod in nature. In fact, I know some hobbyists worry about fishes getting trapped in the opening. I've never had this happen myself, so I don't stress out about it much. Now, we do know that these are from trees found in the rainforest of the Amazon region. We know that these forest floors flood seasonally and are often inhabited by hundreds of species of fishes, which feed off the alochthonus input from the surrounding terrestrial vegetation. We've talked about this before. And it begs the questions, are Carinianum pods found on flooded forest floors and utilized by fishes in ways like we utilize them in the aquarium? I can't say with 100% certainty, but it seems like a possibility. So these could be one of the most authentic botanicals we offer, perhaps filling the same exact role in our aquariums as they do in their wild habitat. I'm probably getting way too worked up or you know, too contemplative about this stuff, but you know, regardless, these are cool botanicals. They provide form, function, and aesthetics in one real neat, tidy package. And that's something I think we could all get worked up about, right? We just need to continue not to use that other stupid name for them, okay? Please, until next time. Stay relentless, stay curious, stay diligent, stay creative, stay patient, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks very much for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.